You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Domecast. I'm Colin Campbell from the News and Observer. Uh, This week we have some sad news to share with you that may have already heard uh, through our news outlets or others. Uh, Mark Binker, who is uh, recently named as as editor of the NC Insider State Government News Service, a close partner with us here at the the News and Observer, um, passed away on uh, last weekend uh, at age 43, very unexpectedly. Uh, Certainly if you listened to last week's Domecast, uh, you actually got to hear Mark uh, making his first appearance on our podcast, what we hoped was going to be the first of many appearances with his his great wit and, and expertise. But uh, sadly, uh, we lost him in the past week. So we're, rather than talk about uh, the political developments of this week, we're going to uh, devote uh, the entire podcast this week to remembering Mark and, and some of what he brought to North Carolina politics. And in sort of the spirit of collaboration uh, with other news outlets covering the state capitol, uh, which is something that uh, Mark was very good about fostering, uh, we've partnered with our friends over at WUNC, North Carolina Public Radio, uh, to put together uh, some remembrances from uh, Mark's colleagues uh, across the press corps uh, in Raleigh. And you'll hear from that uh, segment that was produced by uh, Jeff Tabiri at WUNC for the WUNC Politics podcast, which is another uh, great state politics um, podcast that comes out every week. Uh, that'll be in a moment. But uh, first, I uh, wanted to, to take a chance for those of us here at the uh, News and Observer to uh, remember a few things about uh, about working with Mark. And so we'll just kind of go around among our usual panel, uh, starting with uh, Jordan Schrader. Yeah, and, and just the thing that uh, you know really stands out to me about uh, Mark was how he tried to help uh, other journalists, other reporters, uh, and not just those colleagues at his uh, at his uh, work, but uh, throughout the press corps and elsewhere. I mean, Mark uh, spent huge amounts of uh, volunteer time uh, back years ago uh, working for uh, the Capitol Beat organization uh, that brought reporters around the country uh, to conferences on state capital reporting. And uh, back when I was at the Asheville Citizen Times, I uh, you know participated in a lot of those. And um, he was, I think, vice president of, of the board of Capital Beat. He and, and Laura Leslie, um, also one of our uh, North Carolina Press Corps uh, members, uh, were um, instrumental in, in making those happen. And uh, Mark just uh, you know, worked really hard. He participated. He uh, you know, ran panels as part of those conferences and um, did a whole bunch of work to make those happen uh, for a number of years. Um, and, uh, you know, Mark really had a passion for what he did and um, was, uh, was a friend to everybody who knew him, and uh, we're just going to miss him. Um, I want to make sure, and, and this may uh, uh, get said later by others, but I don't think it can be said too much. The, uh, there is a website uh, to donate to his family, um, which is youcaring.com, uh, Y-O-U-C-A-R-I-N-G.com, uh, where there's a fund to help his family. Uh, his wife, Marla, and uh, his sons, Mason and Max. Uh, and uh, you can just go to that, youcaring.com, and search for his name, I believe. Yeah, and we'll um, put a link to the site yeah. in the show notes, uh, so you should be able to find that on your podcast app. So, Lynn, if you want to. Yeah, it's been um, just amaz- amazing to see the outpouring of affection for Mark uh, in the last week, and not just from us scruffy media types, as he used to call us, but from... Um, hundreds of people who have written in a memory book and and donated uh, on that website. Um, I guess that really is a testament to his good nature and uh, the wit that uh, people have talked about. And 
also that he was, uh, I, I remember him as really a touchstone for all of us who worked in the it, it, covering the legislature. I can remember lots of nights when uh, we'd be waiting for some budget news. And, you know, since the legislature really doesn't uh, uh, operate according to a nine to five schedule, you know, Mark and I would be there 1030 and 11 at night hanging out outside the the Senate leader's office waiting for some uh, nugget or crumb of news to report and, uh, you know, would be exhausted. And I'd look over and be wishing I could go home, but saying, oh, Mark is still here. I'm going to hang out. Uh, when is Mark going to go home so I can leave too? Uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was interesting. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just uh, amazed at how hard he worked and also how he was able to carve out time for his family. I mean, uh, you know, he would always come back from two weeks away or a week away and talk about the great family vacation he had. And he, uh, you know, sometimes he'd be walking around in uh, non-work attire and he'd say he's uh, off to a to a soccer game, one of his kids' soccer games. So he was really uh, amazing, amazing at digging out information, but also um, really had knew how to carve out time and, and create a work-life balance. Um, worked hard, but also spent uh, a lot of time and, and was devoted to, to his family. So um, here's to Mark. This is Will. I'm definitely the uh, the newest person here. Um, definitely knew Mark the, the least of anyone. But even in the the few times he hung out, it really always just stuck out to me how just nice and funny he was. Uh, the first time I ever met him uh, was when he was, you know, still technically the competition over at WRAL. And but we met and over beers, uh, not in the bowels of the legislature like everybody else, <laughs> but uh, in downtown Raleigh grabbing some beers. And um, you know, really, I got to know him just from from reading his work. Um, you know that you know a lot of times it really helped me with some of the stuff I was doing. And you know, he's definitely regarded as an expert, really well-sourced, really intelligent guy, and I, I was glad to get to know him uh, as well. And just, you know, uh, I remember the the last podcast we did, you know, just sitting next to him at the table and joking about some bill or another before we decided, okay, you know, we need to go ahead and switch this on and actually record this thing. So just great memories all around. Well, this is Craig. I, uh, I've seen Mark referred to as a reporter's reporter, and that's really true. Uh, you'd see him in these committee, committee meetings that we go to where the sergeant in arms or the pages circulate a, a sign-in sheet, you know, of who, who spoke, who's in attendance. And Mark was adamantly opposed to that because there's no legal requirement for anybody to sign as a condition of attending a public meeting. And he would not only refuse to sign, but he would just kind of intimidate with a scowl, you know, uh, uh, some poor uh, page that was trying to get him to sign the thing. And it's kind of on a similar note. Uh, last year we were covering the um, uh, governor's campaign together, and I think we covered a Roy Cooper event at some school somewhere. And uh, there was, a, I guess, a school resource officer maybe was asking for IDs as we came into the room. And Mark said, no, sir, I will not, you know, surrender to a government official my identification. And I'm like kind of shrug and sneak in behind him. The guard looked like he'd been slapped or something. But, uh, you know, for Mark, he, he kind of was the voice of the First Amendment. And he took it very seriously. And thank God for that. 
In addition to the uh, memorial fund that we mentioned earlier, if you're uh, interested in, in sharing your memories or thoughts about uh, Mark with uh, the Binker family, uh, there's a memorial book uh, set up in the uh, press office down at the legislative building. And if you're uh, not familiar with that building, uh, just, just go to the front desk and uh, the ladies there can probably point you to the press room where you can uh, sign the book. Uh, should be out there for the next week or so. And we also hope if you're uh, able to uh, join us for Mark's memorial service, uh, it's going to be Next Friday, May the 12th, at the Fletcher Opera Theater, which is part of the Duke Energy Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, it'll be held at 3 p.m. there uh, and hopefully have space for lots of folks and, and lots of people who want to uh, show their support for the family and uh, hear some tributes to Mark. Uh, so without any further ado, we'll uh, jump into the uh, segment that uh, was put together uh, by Jeff Tabiri over at the WUNC Politics Podcast, who talked to uh, myself, Craig, uh, as well as some former uh, Domecast contributors, including uh, Pat Gannon and... Uh, ben brown as well as lots of others who uh, knew mark well so we'll take a listen to that now laura leslie formerly of wnc um longtime friend of mark binker and uh capital bureau chief at wral i'm colin campbell i'm a political reporter at the news and observer here in raleigh loretta benitti work with spectrum news i guess i've officially known Mark for eight years since I moved here to North Carolina. My name is Ben Brown. I am a former employee of the Insider State Government News Service, which is part of the Capitol Press Corps based in the legislative building. Well, I'm Gary Robertson, and I'm the State House reporter for the Associated Press. And I have probably worked with Mark for at least 10 years, going back to his time when he was the Capitol Bureau Chief of the Greensboro News and Record. Uh, my name is Tom Normanly. I work at WRAL. I've been uh, I've been there a little longer than Mark, so I've known him since he was hired there, and before that I would see him around here. I'm Craig Jarvis with the News and Observer. I have known Mark for about seven years since I've been covering the Capitol beat state politics. My name is Kirk Ross. I'm the Capitol Bureau Chief for Carolina Public Press and State Government Reporter for Coastal Review Online. So I'm Rose Hoban. I am the editor, publisher, uh, chief cook and bottle washer, and legislative reporter for North Carolina Health News. I'm Patrick Gannon, um, former editor of The Insider, um, and I worked with Mark for about six years, pretty much on a daily basis, covering committee meetings at the General Assembly. I'm Jim Morrill, a reporter with the Charlotte Observer. I've been covering the legislature on and off for a long time. He always kept the legislators on their toes, which is what our job is supposed to be about. Funny, charismatic, kind, uh, always willing to lend a hand. He was irreverent and at times, since I sat next to him, I know, uh, profane. This guy was... We know he was smart, but people, I mean, he went to Johns Hopkins. I mean, he could have been a doctor probably. <laughs> yeah, I'd say there was no pretension with Mark at all. Uh, you know, he, he was usually a couple steps ahead of you and because uh, he was so darn smart and so darn funny. Uh, and I don't think I really stopped to appreciate just how uh, significant that, you know, those traits were. You know, there's just too many. I mean, to even start, you know, we, we've been friends since about 2005 when he came down here. For the news and record, he sat right outside this office where I'm talking to you right now, you know, and I was in here. And um, that sense of humor, you know what I mean? Just, you know, he was always ready with a laugh or a joke or an awful, awful pun or 
you know, he just he he didn't just endure the absurd. He kind of relished it, I think, you know, and he had a lot of fun with it. What occurs to me is back when I first started here, whenever it was seven years ago, uh, it was in such an overwhelming place. It can be so complicated and so um, confusing. Uh, and what I noticed right off the bat was Mark was with a small group, was part of a small group of people that really knew how things worked. And I needed to just shut up and watch these guys and hope that someday I could know, you know, be included into their little group. So, uh, you know, it, and that just played out on a daily basis. If Mark wasn't here in the press room, at some point it was going to occur to me, where's Mark? I probably need to be wherever Mark is. I remember when I first uh, came here and started working as a reporter for the Wilmington Star News up at the General Assembly. He kind of intimidated me with his with his knowledge. I mean, he he knew so much about this building and the way things worked that that he was kind of intimidating. But the more I got to know Mark, intimidation is not is not the right word. And he he was so far from um, egotistic or or anything like that. I mean, he had every right to to have an ego, but he had he had zero of it. Uh, he was about as down to earth of a person, as you can know. He understood the process. He understood how things work here. He understood North Carolina. Uh, he probably cared more about North Carolina than anybody from Maryland ever. Binker was a rocker. Oh, my God, he was such a rocker. And he would constantly, back and forth, rock and rock and rock. When he was digging into a story, really writing a story, uh, he'd start rocking back in his chair while he was writing. And that's when you kind of knew to just leave him alone. Just let him be. You knew when Binker was, like, going because you'd see him start to rock. And then you knew not to interrupt him, right, because you knew he was, like, in the groove. And you knew that when he was rocking, the hamster wheel was going, and he he was really in the middle of something, and he would rock and rock and rock. And I asked him about it once. I said, man, you're going to break that chair. And he launched, and he goes, no, I brought my own chair. I have a special chair. I was like, really? And he explained to me how this was a special chair and it's meant to be rocked in. And I was like, oh, well, thank goodness you're not, you're not going to break it. The questions he asked in news conferences were always usually the, the best questions because he saw behind, you know, what a politician said in platitudes or talked about in terms of his, his or her agenda and asked, you know, what's the real reason for this? He was always sort of the one we were always chasing because he usually had, you know, better sources than the rest of us in this building. He would get the story first. He would, you know, have all the public records requests in uh, and be bugging the heck out of the state government folks who were responsible for giving up the emails that, that he needed to tell the story he wanted to tell. Um, and he just did some really in-depth stuff that always had, it was incredibly informative and, and incredibly in-depth, but it also had his voice in it. You, you could tell when he was writing about lobbyists in the snack bar in the morning is that, it, you know, you could almost see the twinkle in Mark's eyes as he was writing it, sort of making fun of a little bit uh, casually of, of what was going on in the, the players involved, uh, whatever it was. Mark would sit down with people for a couple hours, just talk about the ins and outs of state law or regulations or particular legislation because he wanted to understand it. And I think we're all better for it as citizens in North Carolina. It's nice to be reminded um, the type of work that we're doing does make a difference to people. 
And obviously, Mark was a great reporter, so a lot of people paid attention to what he did and what he said. But it's become very clear how important the Capitol Press Corps is to so many people over the, the last few days. And, you know, I think that's also a pretty good tribute to Mark, to since he, he was such an integral part of the press corps, uh, to see people coming out and acknowledging that. He would like that. Probably the worst thing you wanted to be uh, was a, a PR person for a government agency trying to stop Banker from getting some information. I, I have heard him lay into people, and you can feel kind of the, the force of the First Amendment in his voice. So, I mean, he was a champion. I was reminded how good a reporter he was um, a couple weeks ago when I was having a, an unpleasant conversation with, with somebody, uh, the former chairman of the North Carolina Economic Development Partnership, who I had just written a story about that he didn't approve of. And he had asked me to uh, pull the story, which I couldn't do. And, and then he uh, started yelling at me on the phone. And, and uh, I'll, I'll skip the graphic parts, which, which were there. But uh, at one point he said, you're no Mark Banker. I think sometimes you forget or you don't realize when you become friends with somebody, when they go from a colleague to a friend. And I think that that has really set in with me a lot over the last few days. I mean, Mark has obviously been somebody who's been great to work with, but you start to realize all of a sudden, hey, that's who I talk to first thing in the morning, every morning. Um, just, you know, what'd you do last night? Or what'd you do when you worked out this morning? You know, what, what was that that you did? Or um, what's going on with your family? Not just his kids, which he obviously, you've, I'm sure you've heard that from a lot of folks, but also with his parents. Uh, I was dealing with a situation with my parents. Mark asked me about it a lot, talked to me about his family and, you know, what was coming on down the road, talked about vacations we were going to take. I mean, these are things that you sit there and talk to with friends about. And, you know, did we hang out outside of work? No, but we spent a lot of time talking at work. And I mean, my last long conversation with Mark was Thursday. Um, I, I was in his office sitting there talking to him about a job situation for quite some time, and then which obviously moved into other stuff as well. I mean, I'm glad that I had that last conversation with him and that it was a good, long last conversation. You obviously always wish you knew it was going to be the last one. This is hard. This is hard for everybody um, down here uh, who, who, who had the, the wonderful privilege of, of watching him work and watching him um, live uh, down here at the General Assembly, and he will be horribly missed and, and already is by many. You know, it's hard to believe that he's not here. I keep thinking that I'm going to walk through the door of the press room one morning and we'll realize that we'll hear his voice or his cackle or one of those puns, and but uh, we know that that's not going to happen, but I know that he won't be forgotten here among the colleagues that worked with him and even for the college people the people that will be coming here in the future because I think that Mark has set a standard for how to cover this place. You really benefit by having people around who are a really good and analytical and can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel for any complicated story 
but also knew how to have fun and crack a joke. And, you know, having somebody like Binker, who was the height of that, he was one of the wittiest people I'd ever talked with. His analytical skills were amazing. He could, he, he'd be willing to help you out to, you know, help you as a, com- I worked at a competing news organization. This is back when he was still with WRAL. He'd be happy to help you out, understand the context. He would always have his own story. It was going to be better than yours anyway. You know, he, he's, he was that good, but... Um, but just having somebody like him in the newsroom, I think, made the job easy. And I'm not the only person who, who has a story like that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody in this room, in the press room at the legislative building, can say something similar about Mark. He was friendly, approachable, um, and very, very funny. And having somebody like that around is invaluable. He always had time for other people in this press court, regardless of who your employer was. And in fact, just last week during crossover, um, I took advantage of the fact that he and I were the last people uh, in the building or in the, the press area of the building on the night that the legislature went till midnight. Um, and I saw that he was clearly trying to bang something out on deadline and get something done, but had a quick question for him about something personal. Um, and he took, you know, 15, 20 minutes out of his time and, uh, you know, gave me as, as much help as he could on, on what I was asking about. And that just, you know, made a huge difference because you you know, he could have just said, hey, I'm really busy. Talk to me later. But he, he always had time for other reporters. He always had an outsized presence. And I, I'm sure this has been said by many, many people. You know, he was a great guy and he had a great sense of humor. And that was always evident when he was in this room. And I think the thing about Mark, too, is that he always had a joy about him. You know, people, some people called him the, the, the happy warrior or the joyful warrior, I heard today. Um, but that's how I remember Mark, uh, just, you know, being somebody that I could go to uh, when I needed uh, some piece of legislative trivia or legislative fact uh, or didn't understand a bill or didn't know the number of a bill or didn't know the sponsor or who who uh, a certain legislator was. Mark, Mark would always know that, and he would be a, a great resource for that. Last year at one point in time, Pinker and I were just sitting around here. It was near the end of session, but it was a quiet moment, and he says to me, Rose, what are you what are you going to do with North Carolina Health News? Like, when do you see yourself kind of quitting? And I said, oh, geez, Mark, I don't know. When I get an order of the longleaf pine. That was the joke, right? And he said, so, yeah, that'll, that, you know, that'll never happen, right? Because, you know, it's a political thing. There used to be, uh, used to be a little harder to get a longleaf pine in, in North Carolina, the honorary, um, you know, the honor of the state. Longleaf pine, and uh, and uh, Mark and I would kind of go back and forth about that every now and again. About how I'd say, Mark, you got a pine? And say, no, I don't, I don't have a pine. They don't give us pines. And um, <laughs> he'd say, Kirk, you got a pine? I said, yeah, but I I stole mine from a you know <laughs> or something like that. We'd just go, we'd just banter back and forth. And we had a running joke that we both said. I can't see myself doing anything but this. And so he had a running joke, and he said something to me like, yeah, Rose, you know, it'll be like 2035, and we'll be with our walkers, you know, coming into the press room. Everyone else will be, hey, Rose, hey, Mark, you know, well, what's on the calendar for today? <laughs> on our walkers. That was the plan, and I would have been perfectly happy to have that be my long-term plan was to – work with Mark Binker for the next 25 years, would have, or 20 years. It would have been no problem. He had a lot of puns, and we all kind of bounced them off each other. 
and it was just a real it was just it was just fun one of the things that reminds me of him is really anytime i hear a good pun around this building i'm, I'm think i'm always going to be you know reminded of of binker because I, th- I think there was never a, a pun that he missed he was on a kick about the uh the fried chicken bill that went through here uh, a couple months ago there was a bill that was going to make a particular community the home of the official fried chicken festival so you know i'm sure mark probably said that the legislators were going to have to wing it on that bill and then one of us said well i hope that um our colleagues could keep us abreast of the situation you know things like that it really kind of added to the camaraderie and the collegiality situations where we would try to make up puns on the spot the worse the better i remember when the fried chicken legislation was going through i I was no longer a member of the capitol press corps at the time but um i remember going back and forth with him on twitter and it didn't stop it just kept going just the worst puns we could possibly think of his were always better than mine but i think at one point it ended when he said kfc you later or something like that and it sounds so dumb to talk about but you know just little things like that, I think if you times that by a million, you kind of get a sense of who Mark Binker was in terms of wit, personality, lightheartedness, but also being a really good person who's there for you and um, and obviously an amazing reporter. You mentioned yesterday in a conversation that we were not recording, but you, you talked about uh, both his his chef hat and uh, a couple of uh, kitchen experiences or deck experiences that that y'all had. Uh, if you're willing to, to share, sure, I'll or share that. Yeah. Although people may object, I don't know. But um, you know, he he and his wife. He, when I first met him, you know, his his son. He had actually just shortly after that he had his, his second son Max, and so two little kids, and so we'd go down to the beach and get a house for a week and, and say, "Come on down, you know, spend the day with us, um, and bring the kids, and you know, stay over if you want." And so they they would sometimes, and um, there was one time that we were trying to grill some dinner, and it was kind of late, later than the kids are used to eating. They're hungry. Everybody's hungry. We've got you know some about chicken thighs, about grill full of chicken thighs and and drumsticks, and they're almost done. And suddenly this big dark shadow goes swooping over the deck and it's a pelican and it drops a bomb. Now, it didn't actually hit the grill. It hit kind of next to the grill, but, you know, that's kind of sloppy. Uh, And so we just looked at each other and our eyes just got huge. And so we looked down and there was one piece that had bird poo on it. So we threw that one away, right? And then we looked at all the rest. And we didn't see anything. So we just kind of looked at each other. And we flipped them all over and turned up the heat. And everybody had dinner. And it was fine, right? Nobody, nobody was the worst for wear for that. And then the other time something like that happened was when um, he had invited us over for Beef, Beef Wellington. He really liked to cook. He really enjoyed it. He was getting more and more into it in the last few years. And he had made this this beautiful pastry, puff pastry and wrapped Beef Wellington. And um, so, uh, you know, my partner and his wife and kids were out in the dining room and I was in the kitchen with them carrying stuff in. And uh, he takes this thing out of the oven. It's been cooking in there for a while and hauls it out and it slides onto the floor. And he and I just looked at each other, picked it back up, put it back on the thing. So Five-second rule, right? Am I right here? Uh, and again, nobody with the worst for wear. Everybody enjoyed dinner. So, you know, we had a similarly casual uh, attitude toward uh, food hygiene, I guess. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, Mark, but Mark was always, you know, 
when I first knew him, he, you know, he ate like we all do here, chicken fingers, fries, you know, and he changed all that. He, you know, a few years ago, he said, you know, I've got, he told me because I'd asked him, I noticed that he was, you know, eating salads and he was working out. And, you know, I said, so, you know, what's going on? Did you have some kind of a health scare? And he said, no, but, you know, I've got a couple of active boys and I need to be able to keep up with them. And so, you know, this is something that I'm going to do. And he did. And he did. But, you know, he never forgot comfort food. And, um, yeah, I my particular favorite happens to be macaroni and cheese, and they happen to make a pretty good one here at the legislative building. Um, and it's most Tuesdays they have it in the cafeteria, and I just don't go near the cafeteria those days because it's just too much of a temptation. But Binker, if we had a really bad day, Binker would go down and come back up with a little carryout clamshell with with macaroni and cheese in it, and he would tell me, you know, it's okay, it's okay, it's it's cholesterol free because it's work food, and therefore <laughs> it's okay to have that. Right. And so, um, you know, and he would just he would just do that, unbidden, unasked, you know. And I mean, that's just kind of the side of Mark that I think most people didn't see. He knew he knew what you were going through. He knew when to say, "Can I help you?" Is there something I can do for you? Do you need me to take that story? You never had to ask him. Even when he was having a tough day, if you talked about his kids or something or asked him how the family was, he'd, he'd light up. And, and that's just so true. He, he really, he, that was something he was really enthusiastic about all the time. And, and I appreciated that about him. He um, had this faded travel coffee mug that's, even right now, I think, is still sitting on his desk in the insider office, which is literally about 10 feet from where I sit every day, um, separated by a door. And it has uh, photos of of his kids and you know, when they were a lot younger. And but it was always there. It was a it was a, I think it was an example of how he um, was a great father and a and really, um, really enjoyed being a father, being a husband. You could tell that he so greatly cared about the time he spent with them, whether it be coaching youth soccer teams or, as we found out, or as he had told us literally a few days before he died, that he had been working with one of his sons on a catapult for to heave marshmallows a great distance for a upcoming science olympiad event that his son was doing and he you could tell he was about probably he was probably about as excited about it as his son was I look at people who are married with children and I don't know how they do it and what kind of sacrifices their family makes in order for them to be able to do it Mark seemed to be able to figure that out, to juggle it. There, I loved the days that we would be here covering committee meeting after committee meeting. It'd be a crazy long day. And then you turned your head and Mark is suddenly in gym shorts and a T-shirt. I'm going to help coach my son's soccer game. Got to go. Okay. Well, you know, he, he, he found he made the priority and that's what he did. On Thursday when he left work, I mean, he, he said, you know, I can actually get out of here a little bit early. I'm going home. Good for him. If he's watching over us, if he's looking down, if he could get a glimpse of all of this attention that is being paid <laughs> to him, how do you think he would respond? Oh, I think he would shake his head at it. He, he would just shake his head and probably 
be a little bit embarrassed by it. Um, not that he had a problem being in the center of attention. You asked him a question. I said on many panels with him, you know, he could command attention. Um, but it wasn't because he wanted that spotlight shown on him. It was because he was good at being in the spotlight when it was shown on him. I think that he would, I think he would be proud. That's a great question because I've been thinking about that too. In all the ways we're sort of handling our grief or handling um, arrangements, putting a table with flowers and a book and all that, I feel like he's right over, you know, our shoulder going, oh, come on, guys, or, or you know, saying something funny about what we're doing, uh, being embarrassed about it. You know, you just, it's just, he, he always had something to say about just about everything that happened here. And it's kind of weird not to, to hear him joke about us honoring this old reporter, this young reporter, unfortunately. Um, I don't know what he'd say about it, but he'd, he'd want to make sure we did the resolution right or we did this right or we followed the, the proper procedures. We weren't stepping outside the lines. I think he would be absolutely flabbergasted. I mean... He, you know, he knew he had good relationships with people, and he knew he was respected. And I don't think that's um, that's a surprise to anyone. Um, but I don't think he realized how much he was loved. Um, I, I don't think his family did either. You know, certainly. Um, you know, and the outpouring is. I mean, it's just been amazing to me as well. You know, um, I, I think he he would he would kind of laugh probably about what the politicians have said about him. He'd say, that's not what he said last week when I wrote that story. He didn't like, um, you know, but he'd be embarrassed. I mean, he's, he wasn't the kind of guy who needed that, you know? Um, and, and I think he would just say, come on, everybody, come on. Let's, yeah, let's, let's move the foobar meter. Let's, <laughs> let's and crack a joke because that's what, that's what Mark would do. So it still doesn't feel all that real. Um, matter of fact, it hasn't really hit me until kind of just now talking about it, coming to the press room where we worked. Um, before that, it felt very surreal. A lot of people are finding it difficult to process, understandably, because if you look at the trajectory he was on, uh, I mean, he, he was already great, but he was going to be one of the greats. You could see him by the time he, you know, is near retirement age. He's already got books out under his name. You know, that, that's just the, the sense he got from him, the trajectory he was on. So that makes it difficult to process for a lot of people. Um, but I do know as while people are trying to process it themselves, they also know that what the family is going through is, you know, I, I can't imagine. So it is great to see the support there. Um, but I can't imagine it being any other way. People are going to be there for the family, and uh, that's important. It's, it's hard to talk about him in the past tense, and I, I, I think we'll feel his uh, impact here for a long time. I, I think he had a lot of influence on all of us, that, uh, and, and, and we'll continue so. A new reporter, let's say, would walk into the newsroom and, and down here and, and not know where they were going to get to the Senate or whatever. And Mark would be on deadline. He would just stop and take him upstairs, right? I mean, that's the sort of fundamental kindness that says your need and my need to help you is a little bit bigger right now than our jobs. And, you know, that is uh, – and that's not to say that he wasn't competitive. 
He was competitive as all get out. Don't get me wrong. But he understood the bigger picture, and I think his love for his family and his kids helped him get that, you know, that what happens in this building and what we do for a living is important, but it's not as important as what's waiting at home. And it's not as important as relationships between people, even if they happen to do the same job. And so I would say if there's any way to address the void right now, it's probably to sort of band together and be a little kinder and help out a little bit more. And I think people are already doing that. And, you know, in the long term, I think the way to do it is to take a page from Mark and try to nurture the interns who come in and the students who come in, you know, and try to try to produce the next Mark Binker. Because there will be one. It won't be quite the same, but there will be one. But we all, as members of the journalism community, bear some responsibility to help make that happen.